bandwidth for the ZA Dev Chat podcast is provided by cloudafrica.net. Do you need high-performance cloud servers that are fast, secure, and reliable? Get your server up and running in five minutes. Check out cloudafrica.net. This episode of the ZA Dev Chat podcast has been produced and edited by Michael McDonald. Cool. Welcome to episode 10 of the ZA Dev Chat podcast. My name is Stephen MacDonald, and tonight we are discussing university education for developers in South Africa. Um, our panel tonight is myself, uh, Len Weinsier. How's it? Uh, Leslie Price. How's it? And Joshua Lewis. Uh, good evening, everybody. Cool. So, yes. Josh, you are pro-university, correct? Would you like to give us a, a, a quick introduction to who you are and your feelings on university? So um, I have a master's degree in engineering from WITS. I graduated at the end of 2005. And I uh, currently lecture at WITS at a post-grad level, um, part-time. In fact, uh, one of the master's courses that I did 10 years ago, I'm now lecturing. Um, I, I also work as a software developer coach at TSTV Digital Media, and uh, yeah, so I'm, um, as you can imagine, pretty pro-university education, got uh, quite a big investment um, formal education, and uh, trying to give back in terms of uh, lecturing. Cool. And Leslie, from your side, just a quick introduction to who you are and your stance on university education. Oh, okay. So um, I graduated at Potsdam University in 2000. Um, I finished my honors degree in Germany, uh, University of Rostock. And um, uh, by the way, that's my language deficit thingy that's going on here. So I'm mother's side is Afrikaans, father's side is Scottish, and my wife and home language is currently German. So excuse me if everything is a big mix. But um, just in terms of universities, uh, I feel a lot of students out there should just go and ask their money back. Cool. Well, let's kick this hornet's <laughs> nest a little harder. Len, I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck you into the lion's pit here. So you're you're somebody who's hired developers in the past um, and dealt with people that have gone to university and haven't gone to university. So what are what are your feelings on it? Well, I, I think I just want to let everybody know that we're we've decided to spice it up this evening and we haven't prepared anybody. We've just like Josh has just literally joined the call and we've we've kicked it off. So it's it's kind of blue skies. Um, okay, so back to the real world. Like, I I think I think there are some problems with uh, developer education. Like maybe we can start there. Uh, most developers don't know math. Like they they don't really have any idea of math. You know they they couldn't tell you whether you know algorithms are performing in O log n or or what log n is even. Uh, that that's a kind of big problem, um, you know, and this, it it really gets to the heart of the matter when you're trying to debug production issues, and you don't know uh, what on earth's going on. You don't really have a gut feel for where things are. Um, that being said, I've I've looked around and as as you said, hired like many many developers. I I can't even tell you how many interviews I've sat in, and 
the average kind of developer that comes across my desk or that that sits across a desk from me, you know, their CV comes across my desk, is pretty dismal. They they've like learned one language, they've learned one tool set, they've got a kind of very narrow experience. Whereas guys who have had a university education, and and we can dig into that a little bit more, tend to have a bit more breadth. You know, they they've been probably forced to do a couple of different things during their uh, time at university, which does help. I mean, we, we are looking for people with more breadth, and especially with this DevOps stuff that's happening now, it's, it's kind of nuts, like how um, ill-equipped most developers are to deal with the DevOps space. Uh, so I'm, I'm not saying that uh, university education is irrelevant. I think it's, it's it can be very useful. What I do know is that, and I don't know the like German universities, Leslie, and, you know that kind of stuff. But I do know that locally, uh, the the universities I think are struggling to put a meaningful curriculum together. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Um, um, you know, I'm the manager of the Microsoft App Factory. So what we do is we take some. Um, graduates of the university into this uh, one-year internship and we try to skill them up to become basically employable at the end of today um i'm so are, are they starting from scratch like they got no experience they just oh that, that, this is the the cream of the crop i'm only allowing into the app factory and uh, it is it is basically a process of deleting everything you have learned at university because it is anyway irreal irrelevant already what they've learned um then we, we we basically try to restructure all of that knowledge and why and and what we do is we give them real life projects with real clients behind it and try to then basically take them through how do i really go about building software you know, uh, it's not only the software itself, it is time, it's pressure, it is SDLC, it is process, it's mindset, it is discipline, it is, you know, everything that goes with a proper software, being a proper software developer or engineer, and try to take them through that journey at least once. And I must say, after that journey, these guys are taken up like instant, instantly when they exit the app factory. Yeah, no, no so I, I just... Mm. Cool. Sorry, then I, I just want to jump in quickly. So I, I never attended university. I, I went to college. So I'm curious before we go and paint all universities with a brush, um, yeah. you know, the, the people that come in from your side, do you find that there are students from certain universities that have a better base than other universities? And I'm not asking to mention university names now. I don't want to drag anybody oh, through that, but, but just in general, but just in yes. general, no, you know, know are, the, Stephen, we wanna, are, we know. are the students, <laughs> are the students that Josh train worse than the other? No. <laughs> but, okay. But, but, okay. So, so back, so back to being serious. Um, yeah. Do you find that there are students from some universities that are better prepared than, than others? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, and I'm not scared to mention names. So your TUTs out there, your TUTs out there, basically they're all Technicons and so. Um, I must say the developers are a little bit better than com that's coming out of some of the universities. Um, but still, it's it's quite dismal. 
Um, then from that side here and there, I get, okay, put it this way. In the last week, I've, no, last two weeks, I've interviewed about 24 people. I will not take any of them. And they all come from universities. It is just ridiculous. People can't even explain a class properly or an interface properly, you know. Um, <clears throat> so uh, what I can say is I've looked at the curriculum of university in MMU. That's Nelson Mandela Metro University in Port, uh, in Port Elizabeth. And excellent. They're doing the right stuff. But then, if you go and look at that curriculum, then you will see they're working together with a German university and they have created that curriculum together with a German university and they're working with industry. They work together with all the other stakeholders in the market there and they're sharing that knowledge. And those guys are really, really, really excellent. But from UJ, UJ's side and Vit's side, I'm uh, not really impressed. And so neither Josh. from Pretoria. Cool. So, yeah. Josh, I want to I want to pull you in on this side. So, you attended university and now you're 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 lecturing. Um, again, not having been to university, you you mentioned just now that you have a, a master's in electrical engineering. You said correct? Yes. Yeah, so, so the way it's structured at Wits is it's an electrical engineering degree, but it's uh, so called with information engineering option. So, from third year, oh, I basically okay. did. Um, software and telecoms as opposed to high frequency, high voltage um, kind of subjects. And the masters, the, the, the degree that I have is in, in information engineering um, with much more of a bias towards software as opposed to telecom side of things. Okay, cool. So out of curiosity, when, from when you studied to the point where you're lecturing now, that syllabus I'm assuming has undergone a lot of change or is the syllabus that is taught more about the fundamentals of you know theory of development not not maybe not specific technologies right so so i think there's just a couple of things that i kind of want to get to maybe before in in answering that um but kind of tying back to what we've already what we've cool. some of the things cool. we've spoken about um, I think it's important to differentiate between universities, but I also think it's important to differentiate between different types of degrees. You know, you get developers, they could have done computer science, they could have done engineering, they could have done something like a BCom IT or a BS, BSc IT. Um, you know, I've got friends who are involved in software development who come from, from those different backgrounds, and those, those backgrounds are really prepared for different things. So, for example, um, I need to say off the bat that I didn't do computer science or any of those other degrees, so I don't know all the courses that they did. But in engineering, we, you know, in first year, you start off with um, basic maths. You do maths until third year. You start off with physics and mechanics. Um, in, second, in second year physics, you do kind of quantum, quantum physics. You do electronics and circuits. You do things like op-amps, transistors. Um, programming microcontrollers. So, you know, you really get engineering really, um, the approach is really from first principles, from fundamentals, building up all the way to to the kind of software you write day to day. Um, and what I like about that is, you know, Len mentioned earlier about things like maths, things like um, uh, algorithmic issues, um, even things like network issues, 
you get a much broader understanding from an engineering degree, um, I believe, than, than you would from not studying and possibly from having studied, say, computer science or, or a BCom or a BSc IT, that kind of degree. So yes, I can, I can write code without um, understanding how a von Neumann architecture works, you know, without understanding registers and um, uh, those kinds of things. But sometimes when you, when you get to the nuts and bolts, that kind of knowledge and background becomes very, very useful. The same as understanding data networks. Um, it can start becoming very useful. Um, so I think it's important to distinguish that it's not just because it's a university degree, it doesn't necessarily, um, I don't think it's enough of, of a distinction just to talk about a degree. Um, also, and I should, probably should have mentioned earlier that the, the course that I lecture now is a uh, MEng uh, course, so it's a postgrad level, and my students are both MEng students and um, continuing professional development or CPD students. So the, J the Johannesburg Centre for Software Engineering, the JCSE, offers a, a kind of part-time CPD course. Um, it consists of either three or four courses that you do part-time, and if you do well enough, you can convert that into a VITS master's degree. So, for example, Stephen, someone like you would be an ideal candidate. You've got um, say a decade, decade or so experience in, in, in the field, you don't have a formal degree, this is a, re a really nice kind of way to get some formal, formal um, tertiary education, possibly converting to a master's. So the majority of my students, I mean I've got students who are, are, have just finished their four-year BSc degrees, and I've got students who are in their kind of, I'd say, late, late 40s, possibly a little bit older, who have been in the industry for, for 25, 30 years and are in quite senior positions in, in their organisations, for example, some of the big four banks. Um, just coming back to, to the question that you asked, the syllabus that I teach, um, I'd say, is probably about 50% the same as it was 10 years ago. Um, and... 50% new, and a lot of that new stuff is stuff that I've brought in. So I co-lectured the course two years ago with the, the, the guy who's been lecturing it for the last 10 years, and this year and last year I lectured it by myself and started changing the, the course, introducing things like test-driven development and user stories, that kind of thing. Just to give an example, 10 years ago when I did the course, one of the things that we, uh, that we discussed was um, design patterns. Um, I remember, for example, in second year, in, in our second programming course, we, we discussed things like unit testing. So, um, I think there is, at least at this, there's quite a pragmatic slant to it. Um, you know, we are made often to write code. So my students there, they've got an assignment that's due next week or the week after, and they have to write code. And it has to be executable, and they have to justify their decisions. Um, so um, just in terms of the syllabus, it's, it's a lot of it's the same, a lot of it's different. From what I understand from my students, a lot of the other courses are still the same. That's not necessarily to say that they're out of date. It's more to say that 
I think it, it's a lot of fundamentals that are covered in in the courses that are that are taught, um, at least in the postgrad in the MEng program at Wits. Okay, so that's 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 pretty cool. I, I'm curious now, Leslie. You mentioned that you you chatted to a, a number of students over the last week or so, and you wouldn't take any of them. Why yeah. not? What are they What are they missing? Um, okay, so I usually see it this way: um, you should at least be able to code. And uh, honestly, these guys can't code. They um, once I. I would say one out of ten have really put some effort into things. And I, I don't think it's so much just a university issue. It's also there's something wrong with the student of the day. Everything should be handed to him on a silver plate. And then, you know, then he's, he walks out of the papers and he's now, yeah, I'm now Lord here of the, uh, not of the key, yeah, probably of the keyboards. But um, they can't code. That's the bottom line. They can't code. They don't know the basics. The basics, okay, so, and they so, don't so know it. Theoretically, so so theoretically, they have an understanding of things that are no, happening. No. Or okay, excellent. Go for it, Len. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, in, the, in my previous position, we we would interview about eighty people to make one offer. That was that was our current current ratio, you know, and um, I've heard in a lot of places that it's even worse than that. Um, so. You know, just tying into kind of what Josh was saying and, and trying to get a bigger picture here, I, I think it's important to say that our industry's in trouble, man. It's really in trouble. The the demand for people who can operate this machinery is is off the charts. So if if we didn't have that demand, like how would it work? You know, let let's take uh, you were a doctor or a um, a lawyer. Lawyer is a good one. So you go to university, you study, you get, you know, just all this basic stuff. You graduate with a law degree, you're pretty useless, right? You don't know anything. So what, what do you do? You go and you intern somewhere, right? For two years, you get a job. They pay you nothing. <laughs> you just do, like, legwork, right? Now, in my estimation, to become a web developer takes two years. There's no ways to get around that. Just to learn, like, you know, the whole, like, lot of stuff. Just the practical stuff. Not even the theory. Just at the end of two years, you're pretty much going to be okay to go off and write web stuff on your own. Like, from scratch. You'll know what gets and posts and, you know, keep alives and, and, you know, CSS and HTML. I mean, you just make a list of all that stuff. Just web development. It's, it's two years worth of stuff. So I think what's happening is perhaps an unfair judgment where people are, are going through some kind of education, whatever university it is, and and it, you know there's so much to cram into that time as well as Josh can attest to you. You've done a bit of maths, you've done a bit of this, you know, maybe you've touched on a bit of networking, um, and and you've got the guys through, but man, it's hard to get like practical stuff in there as well. Although I think uh, that's a big thing that's missing, especially in, in in something that's not really a science, but more of a craft. But anyway, you get these guys out, and, and the kind of expectation is that they should then be able to kind of be high high functioning programmers. You're going to walk out of that degree. How's it? You're great. Get a job and start actually producing production code. 
like right away. I don't think that's a that's a fair thing to make. Um, I the other thing that I noticed after interviewing loads and loads of people is I think people get into IT for the wrong reasons. Like that's probably the even bigger problem. Yeah, they they come for the money. You know, like if if you were you know a good uh, Jewish boy a few years back, you became a doctor, right? Now you get into IT. <laughs> Because IT is where the bucks is. You, who cares what this stuff actually is? You know? But go do that degree um, and, and get a job. So those guys don't actually go home in the night and, and kind of code it up. And, and I do think it's something that the degrees might have to force a bit more, like the, the practical side of it. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. so I, I'd like to, to maybe pose a question. Um, and I think the, the idea of an apprenticeship or a clerkship, you know, it applies to lawyers, doctors, accountants, any, prof any, any occupation that we would consider a profession has, has this idea of they have a professional counsel, some kind of guild, and um, there's an apprenticeship, right? You, you have to be an article clerk, you have to uh, pass a bar exam or a board exam or... If you're a doctor, you have to do an internship, etc., etc. So, do you would you maybe and blame is a strong word, but would you maybe place some of the blame on industry in terms of oh, you've done a four-year degree in whatever the case is, um, or a three-year degree at a, at some kind of other or sorry, a three or four-year degree depending on what kind of degree. Is the industry at fault for expecting that person to be able to write code? You wouldn't expect it of, of an attorney or a lawyer or, or, a, or an accountant. So um, we don't have that professional body, right? Um, and again, what, one of the things that I find quite difficult being a developer is that my, my mother doesn't understand what I do. My father, who's an engineer, doesn't understand what I do. There isn't this kind of general conscious, uh, you know, this conscious understanding of what it means to be a software developer. Whereas if you tell somebody, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm an accountant, they may not know the specifics, but they have a pretty good idea. So if you're an HR person or you're an entrepreneur or you're a person in a business and you now need to get a software system built, um, I believe that generally people don't understand enough of what software development is and what it entails to be able to make those decisions. Cool. Right. So, so okay. can, can, I, can I try to answer some of yep. the things you're posing there? So the first thing is, um, I don't think it's possible really to have an industry body in our space because it's, you know, this unbelievable rate of change that we, sure. we're facing. Um, you know, also, there, there's socially, we're not the same as doctors. We don't like, <laughs> we don't like uniformity, you know. <laughs> It's 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 a bit like herding cats, right? Um, so so like that's the one thing, and I mean I've seen this, you know, there were computer societies here and everywhere, and no one cares, you know. Um, we we we've got too much to do. Um, in terms of the second thing, um, I don't think that problem of not being understood is unique to computers. You know, if I was a mathematician, I mean, you mentioned doctors, right? Like, oh, you're a doctor, you have like some vague idea of a guy in like a lab coat, right, or something. But there's so many kinds of doctors, right? They're neuroscientists. There's, 
what is it what does a neuroscientist do like no one knows <laughs> but you wouldn't you wouldn't you wouldn't presume to hire a neuro a neurosurgeon without having some kind of understand or you know without being familiar with that field so, where, so same in our business you know i'm not going to hire you know a high-end networking engineer without knowing what networking engineers do i'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you there <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Josh on that side. So I've seen it happen so many times where I've worked at certain companies and they hire somebody because they've got a degree in something that sounds like it's remotely related to information technology. So because they've got this information technology degree, they must be able to code because code is just dragging and dropping stuff. And, you know, no, it's no, no, I mean, let's... <laughs> You know, let's evoke uh, Darwinism here because those people are, you know, they're, they're out of business soon, right? I mean, if if they're spending a lot of money hiring people because they think they can drag and drop, I mean, they don't know what they do. You, you know, you know sadly, not getting these people their mobile... don't go out of business. Yes, they do. Sadly, they they're hemorrhaging money. You know. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> well, um, what's it uh, that? New shopping app just closed down. You know, that v Fire VPN guys closed down. There's a lot of failure, Stephen. So it's happening all the time. You know, MTN is like cut, cutting chunks of its business off, you know, because let's, it's let's like just trying say there, to refocus. There, there, so. there are companies that I still know of that I've, you know, been at and been around. And, I, you know, it's so horrible to wish you know, ill will on people. But every now and then you look at people and you go, how are you still in business? <laughs> and, and you know, that's the type of thing that they do. I mean, the first company I was at, they hired 12 of us straight out of college, absolutely no working experience. Uh, we, I, you know, I was at CTI. So we got taught how to do things, not why it was the way, the way to do it, right? And between the 12 of us, somehow we managed to finish like a nine-month project in six weeks. I would I would both love to see that code now, and at the same time, I don't want to see it. But it has been running at a number of high-profile South African mines for nearly 10 years, and that is their base risk assessment tool on those mines. And this company is still coining it. So what would you have done differently? What would I have done differently? Jeez, like I wouldn't work there. <laughs> no, no, sure, but you did, um, you know. And and the thing is, you delivered software, and that's the demand, right? Like that's this unbelievable demand that's out there. Yeah. So but, so we've delivered so software, but if they wanted to make changes to that software now, I wish them all the luck in the world. Yeah, but that's probably you probably don't like Pearl, right? <laughs> so this this you is know, in like, bb.net yeah, this is in bb.net like, you know, people, people want yeah, solutions no, sure. I need the website I gotta get the mobile app where's my Apple have you got the watch app yet dude like we need the watch app you know yeah exactly but the thing is right so they get these kids from wherever right yeah sure these kids get something done and it's not just kids but it's anybody <laughs> yeah no so I'm, I'm I'm just you know just looking at my situation, we were a bunch of kids. We got thrown into this thing. We managed to somehow make it work, you know, after consuming copious amounts of ephedrine and other things that we will not discuss. Um, but we got it out, right? But if they now had to get a proper dev team 
to actually have a look at their software if they ever wanted to change the software. Uh, those devs are going to cry all day you're just, and all dude, night. You're describing almost every single code base I've ever worked on, including <laughs> the ones I wrote. Yeah, but, okay, so, so what I'm trying to get at now, right, is so initially I, went to, I, I came into this conversation thinking, yeah, we don't really need university. But the more we're talking, I'm thinking this isn't really an issue that the universities can solve for us unless the universities are going to set up you know well let, like let me give you an analogy exam, right? that i think and then go for I'll, it I'll, I'll go for it, it. Like, like the, the we're in the war now right we're in battle we're fighting but what we need is is kind of how to sharpen our swords how to build better armor right that's what we actually need and that's what the university is about it's like before you go to the battlefield guys here's like some stuff you should know if you're going to go on a march for 300 days, get some good boots, whatever it is, you know, design patterns, all that kind of stuff. Those are the things you need when you're in the trenches, right? So, you know, I think if you go back to what Leslie is saying, they're, they're trying to train these guys up to, to be useful in industry. And, and the guys don't know how to sharpen their swords. They don't know how to code. And, and that's, you know, we need a bit more from the university side, but we can't, we just can't discount it entirely. Yeah. So my 10 cents on that is, you know, I, I see being a software engineer, a developer, is an artisan skill. Now, how do they train artisans? By the use of a, a like a, a, a mentor artisan. An artisan should create other artisans. You don't learn it from a book or something. It's practice and leadership, technical, proper leadership. Now, the profs out there, I have actually the one occasion at Imagine Cup, I was a, a judge and I stood in front of all and I did this very naughty thing of asking a professor in the audience there, please explain to me a repository pattern. He couldn't. Please explain to me an accessor. No, he couldn't. Please explain to me a mutator. No, he couldn't. Uh, He's not an artisan. I'm sorry. He's not an artisan. Okay, it's a bad example now. It's but complex patterns, but more advanced patterns. But a, a decent developer out there would know at least of these things. Uh, Len, do you know them? <laughs> sorry, what? Sorry, what? I was just drinking, man. I didn't want uh, to hear. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I was just being <laughs> yeah, naughty. Yeah, repository but... pattern accesses, mutators, sure. You know, get set methods. Like, you, know. It, 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 you know, those those patterns are out there to teach people how not to do the same mistakes developers already done over and over and over again. So there's a lot of patterns that you can build very good, decent architecture on, which make you, makes your software testable, maintainable, uh, extensible, and, and, and all the LTs and all that kind of things. Uh, there's books about these things. They can take one of those books and they can sharpen these developers out there to be already like 50% good artisans and then get your real-life experience out there, you know. But no, the hammer on the non... <sighs> Uh, on all this crap information that they're stuffing into these guys' heads out there. And I'm sorry, universities need to realize students are their clients. They're not their scholars from school and treat them like school children. More, they're their clients. Give them value for their money. Point. So I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, so you, you know they hammer on the crap information. I, as, as somebody from the outside, you know, I don't know 
what you're experiencing. So, you know, can you give me examples of what the crap information is that is being hammered on? Okay, so um, let's look at database management systems. Now they will go in depth and look at this database drivers using a heap sort algorithm to find this data row and this index, or you know, all those things that's under the hood of a database management system. Do I care about it when I'm building a piece of software? Not really. That's, that's Oracle's problem. That's Microsoft's problem. That's my, MySQL's problem and things. I, I need to build a business here, people. I want to build a solution. I want to make money. And it's all about now I need to worry about those algorithms. They underdo it. And in the meantime, as a, ask yourself, what does a computer scientist do? And what does a computer engineer do? Because we, we study computer science. What do they yeah, do? Okay. I, I haven't met one in the market yet. They all of them create software. So they they're developers. <laughs> so uh, the, the, the flip side of that is right, at some stage somebody needs to be the person that actually writes the database engine, right? And those guys need to know this stuff. So maybe maybe the, the issue at hand here is we've got an all-encompassing syllabus that is only, you know, really, really, really useful for, you know, 5% of the students that come through and do that stuff. Yeah, so well, uh, maybe... see, like a three-year degree is an introduction to the subject, right? That's all it's meant to be. Yep. Like if you do a BSc That's a really long majoring intro. in math, like you, you come out of three years with like, okay, I kind of got the basics. That's it. If you want to do more, you, you know, you carry on, do your honors, masters, and then you get real. You know, then you do real yeah. academic work. But exactly. that's like and, uh, seven years of work, you know. Yeah. And, then, and I don't see that you need all of that kind of stuff in that first three years. I, I, would, say, I would say you need all those patterns, um, your basic modeling, how to properly model modern software, not those old type stuff they've been teaching in my lifetime when I went there. Um, how to build web, uh, mobile stuff on top of proper APIs and things like that. Proper data structure. So, yes, they have those and algorithms and stuff. But also nowadays with all this deployment stuff, Docker and all those type of things, what's going on in that field? They're, they're behind. So, so let's say that I, uh, end, I do an engineering degree and I end up uh, writing software for NASA or I end up writing embedded software for a control system in a plant, right? None of what you meant, yeah. just mentioned is relevant to me, right? So one of the problems that, that universities have with, with uh, educating people who go into software development is it's such a vast field that, yep. you know, so, so I'm, I don't necessarily agree with you, um, about the content that you mentioned. So for me, again, I'm biased because I'm an engineer, but for me, the value of engineering is not the content that they teach you, it's the, the, the problem solving and the thinking approaches that they teach you. How, do you. how do you approach a problem? How do you break down a problem so that you can solve it? And that's, that's key because then it doesn't matter what the problem is, you've got those thinking tools that you can use to solve it, right? That's why a lot of engineers don't go into engineering. They go into management or, or those kinds of related fields. And it's, it's because of the thinking that you're imbued with, that you, it's really kind of drummed into you for, for four or five years. 
Yeah. So, no, I totally agree with you. If they can get that right, that's a big problem. If they can get that right. Of those 24 people I've interviewed in the last two weeks, I've asked them, please design for me the database of a blog system. You have users, you have posts and comments. None of them could do that. Um, do you know offhand the, the degrees that those 24 students did? Computer science. Okay, so... So um, uh, just jump in there, Josh. I, I had much more success hiring engineering people than computer science absolutely. people. Absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, I previously worked for Frog, and I would say about 80% of our developers was electrical engineers. Yeah, long live electrical engineering. Yeah, I, okay, I spoke so, to okay, one. So for, Sorry. So for the idiots in the room, right? What is the difference? The, the 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 difference in teaching from the university side between an engineering student and a computer science student? Because from my mind, well, Joshua, if I want to hire it through the different faculties. <laughs> so so from, from from my mind, I mean, if I, if I wanted to hire a dev, right, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to get somebody from university because that's somebody who's going to know what they're doing. I'm going to look at a computer science person. I would never, like, I always find it funny when I hear somebody who's a dev and who's a good dev that they're an electrical engineering, you know, person. I'm like, but what? I can kind of see why you would have come over, but why didn't you just study computer science? What uh, don't I, they I, teach I can't, you I can't remember where I, where I read it, but the most employed degree, like so the degree that like kind of everybody who did that degree got a job, um, was philosophy. And it goes back to what Joshua was saying, like it's, it's the problem-solving ability, the way to yeah. think about things. Like the yeah. philosophy degree, you know, it's like kind of really get into the meat of that, and then these guys go out into the world, and they're kind of equipped to solve any problem. No, I agree, and uh, I sp we spoke to some of the guys of Wits as well. They have this programming course, then then they uh, for game development. I'm not 100% about the structure, but then they can feed into that course guys from computer science and guys from art. And the best developers in that course is the guys from art, because yeah, I think so they have this abstract thinking. You know, they they think different about things. So there have been some very interesting structural changes um, at Wits since my time there, um, and I'm not fully fully informed on it. Um, I do have a bit of visibility because I used to work at the JCSE. Um, I used to work for Prof. Barry Dwalatsky, who is the head of the, the information engineering um, um, kind of department at WITS. Um, from what I understand, computer science at WITS is now under the engineering faculty and not under the science faculty. Um, and there is a lot of collaboration between the, the arts and the digital arts and um, the engineering. So that sounds um, I think of it being quite a progressive institution. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think that um, that's kind of evidence of that, you know, that they're not just, oh, well, your art, what do you know about software development? Um, I also know that from our... Um, being at the JCSE's offices, there's a lot of um, collaboration between the kind of engineering field and the bioinformatics. So um, there's a lot, you know, because a lot of the bioinformatics, you need a lot of software often to, to model kind of processes and, and organisms and what have you. So again, there is, they are, I think, quite conscious of, of these kind of cross-cultural 
um, issues and, and these opportunities for um, collaboration. Um, maybe if I could answer Stephen's question around what is the difference, and again, I'm not a computer scientist, I didn't do computer science, so I'm really talking from the outside, but in my experience, I, I did do one course, one computer science course, and that was data structures and algorithms. So to my mind, a, a, in general, an engineer takes science and, a, and applies it to solving problems and improving the world and, and making things, right? So um, a, a, you might discover certain properties of materials and a, a civil engineer will design a bridge based on the, based on, um, the characteristics of certain materials. And those materials were discovered by scientists. So to my mind, really a computer scientist um, typically would do, be doing things like designing operating systems, looking at algorithms, looking at data structures, but from a much more narrow focused kind of deep inspection in terms of um, you know, what's actually happening inside the machine, how do we do optimizations, those kind of things, and maybe a bit less of a uh, maybe a pragmatic focus as saying not really often the question how do we how do we build software for a commercial enterprise um, maybe I am talking absolute nonsense but from an outsider's point of view that's kind of the impression that I get um, I don't know if that answers your question maybe a little bit um, gives you a bit of maybe a better yeah. understanding of the differences yeah, yeah, no, it does. So, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more stuff for me to, you know, read up on it and check with. But, you know, as an overview, that definitely does cover it for me, at least. So, thanks. <laughs> but um, uh, just by the way, the App Factory, Microsoft App Factory is located inside of the JCSE. So, no prof very well. We collaborate also very well. Um, so, so then, Leslie, you probably have met me. You just don't know. <laughs> yeah, probably, no? <laughs> But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if we just think in terms of our market and you compare it to other markets out there, we need innovation. We need guys that come out of university and should be equipped to build at least his own product to start up his small business and give, give it a shot out there and try to find something that he can make his own living with. We have a big employment problem in this country. And what our universities are doing specifically in our uh, software industry is they're not helping that cause. They're, I'm sorry, the guys are just paying a hell of a lot of money and not getting value for their money. They need to go and find their experience and something to make them worth and valuable to our market and some other places after university. And I just find that wrong. That's not cool. These so guys should this... become entrepreneurs and create jobs out there. So this plays into the podcast we did last week um, with the with the team from We Think Code, uh, We Think Code, with the stuff that they're bringing in. That essentially they're going to be producing devs that are going to code and solve problems for three years. That are going to you know use the latest technology and you know solve problems from day one. Can I ask you a one. question, Stephen? How long did it take you? Like from like you started programming, you wrote PB, whatever it was. How long did it take you to become comfortable and you, you, you could look at the stuff and you could go, hey, I know what's going on. I like that all makes sense to me. 
So I think a, a big role was played by where I worked, right? So the first place I worked at, the, the code was, I think the most advanced code we had is we had a function that would take in a combo box and would take in a data source and, you know, link the two together. Um, so the code from that, you know, I was comfortable with it all because it was so basic. It was so horribly straightforward. The next place I worked at, I was there for about three months. I was looking at other people's code. I was told in the interview it was C-sharp. And, you know, so I didn't really feel comfortable there at all. The first place I felt comfortable was a, a company called Signify in, in Centurion, where I had to do something web-based. I drag and dropped a control, and the owner of the company said to me, you know, why, why did you drag and drop it? Why didn't you just write it out? And when he asked me what the tag in ASP.NET, you know, that run at server tag meant, I had no idea. And he took the time to sit down and run me through things. So it's so not so that I figured is, it out on my own. Is at what point yeah. did the code like make sense to you? When you knew that so, when you knew the tags or whatever the syntax was. Yeah. So so after John so after John had sat down and, you know, had basically showed me how to learn how to code and, you know, how to look at things. So let's say about two and a half years and things started making sense. Right. You know, I, I, I hadn't grasped it a hundred percent yet. I mean, right. I don't think you can ever grasp it a hundred percent, but you know, at least I had a better idea of what was going on. Um, and that was all, you know, down to essentially a mentoring relationship that I had with, you know, with, with the owner of, of the company, which is why when you guys were mentioning, you know, internships and, and guilds and stuff like that, I, I really do think that that's the way to go. I can't see any other way around it. You know, it ties into what Leslie was saying, like you've spent a certain amount of time and then like, ah, oh, light bulb, cool, I understand what's going on. And you then become a useful programmer. And kind of before that moment, programmers not so useful, right? They they still need to go through that experience, have that moment, then you go, hey, cool, you know what's going on. I can give you a piece of work and you can continue in parallel, right? Um, and I think what Leslie's saying is like, Guys coming out of universities paid all this money, they spent this time, and they haven't kind of got there yet, which is the, the thing that he's struggling with. And it was definitely my experience, but um, I'm very uh, glad to hear things are changing at FITS. More yeah. engineering. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, just, just like, you know, just like everybody said earlier, I mean, it's the same with doctors. So the doctors go in and they pay probably more money because I think they study for a little longer than what. You know the average you know BSc does, yeah, and then they go into a hospital as an intern, and you know some of them still struggle to you know place an IV, you know. So I mean, I've I've had it where I had a student trying. I'm terrified of needles, and unfortunately, it was a government hospital that I was at, and I needed to have a student give me, you know, put the needle in for a drip. And after the fourth attempt, I was like, right, you don't touch me anymore. I don't care if you studied for seven years or eight years or whatever, you know, you stuff off right now. And I had some, you know, some old Russian lady who walked up, you know, shoved the needle in first time, hurt like hell, but, you know, she got got it in the spot. (laughs) Yeah, but you see that the big difference between software and medicine is an eye stays an eye. But, uh, you know, your 
hosting provider or your hosting platform or uh, your database thing that changes overnight every you know that moves at a yeah, rapid speed so if you can learn a developer uh, one of the biggest skills which is passion and you learn constantly learn you constantly try out new new stuff you constantly read what's going on in the market you listen to your podcast you read your blogs but become you know passion and you need to gather all that information and absorb it and try things out so that you become an just knowledge is your friend in our industry and knowledge is constantly changing and that's where universities aren't getting it they're light years behind they they need so, to get into that mode that they need to follow yeah so 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 i'll go into the touchy-feely side of things now passion cannot be taught so oh, either you go absolutely. either you yeah. go and learn stuff and then somebody needs to say to you, look, no, clearly no, you're not passionate no. about this. No, guys, you cannot guys, teach passion. guys have cannot. you ever been inspired? And have you ever listened to point. somebody and just been inspired and walked away full of passion? Of course it can be taught. <laughs> yeah, like, no, how long does so inspiration sad. last? No, no, no. Dude, no, don't be passion, sad. Don't passion. be sad. Like, don't go with the sadness, Stephen. <laughs> No, um, passion, it, passion is I a long just term. Inspire thing. you guys. Yes. <laughs> Ask you this, right? So we, I'm I'm talking, you know, proper passion. So yes, you can be inspired, and you can be inspired for two to three years, right? How many developers do we know that have more than ten years' experience that are still developers Me. that have not moved over? Yes, I know you, and you're one of the few. That's why I'm really happy to have you on the podcast, right? There, most devs get to five to ten years experience, move into development, or they leave the dev environment entirely. You know, well, that's a lot and of that's about the money, though, Stephen. It's but if it's about the money, then they weren't passionate about tech. No, you, a, you can't. You can't say difference. that. Like, if your company has a ceiling on what developers can earn, and the only way up, you know, like that's a very classic model like there's a lot of new companies that are like promoting engineers you know if you, you look at some of the big companies but but i want, just want to come back to something about the the syllabus and the, the education that's out there um and maybe you can talk a bit joshua um one of the things i find that's a, that's a weakness i understand all that stuff about you know languages and and, and so forth but i find people don't understand what a machine is and and like that's a kind of big weakness, especially in their mental models. You know, they can't reason about memory or disk I/O or you know inter rates of interrupts across a network. Like, like that's. Are, are you guys going to like touch like building actual machines now that uh, CompSci admits is under engineering? <laughs> well, see that's so. So again, that's one of the reasons why why I chose engineering and why I like engineering is I mean. In second year, we do we do a semester course just on microcontrollers, and we have to write a project in a in assembly. We you know given write the write a program in assembler that solves this problem. Um, it happens to have so happens to be a, a simulated a, a simulated microcontroller, um, which just makes it easier to kind of debug and 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 mark. But it's still you know kind of as bare bones as you can get. Um, so when you're talking about a machine and reasoning about a machine and, and memory and, and, and those kinds of things, I think that engineering 
does address those things maybe maybe more explicitly and more deliberately than than maybe other fields of uh, you know the other kind of faculties and courses. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's 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 an interesting um, contrast with Leslie, who's coming from you know like a very big vendor and who's like kind of you know like mocking you guys on the one hand you know i'm sitting in the middle here and he's saying you're useless and uh, like the kind of point of development is is to make money right to start businesses which is exactly what Stephen was saying like is a sad thing right that that guys are stopping development and becoming business people you know so like is this like fascinating mix here so, so I'd like to challenge something that Stephen said earlier. He said that it, in his first job, he wrote that code that um, is still making the money, still making the company money, still in production, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's good code. That's a good system, right? That's that's code that's given a very good return on investment yes. over a fairly significant period of time. Now, it seems that. And Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems that you you maybe a little bit feel like you were maybe a little bit naive, maybe a little bit embarrassed about about the way things way things you did there, and and I'd like to question that. I, I think we 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 often have this idea that we have to write things, you know, code has to be right and it's got to be written in a certain way, and I'm not sure, you know. We write code to to make money for for profit, right? Otherwise, how would we earn salaries? Um, so and... I, I do I do agree with you to a point, right? But when you so it's kind of like you know if you've worked in the restaurant industry and you see what goes on in the kitchens, then you know some guys are like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I've worked in the industry, I won't I won't eat there. If I had to, you know, if I had to go and work on a mine and they said, hey, you know, this is our risk assessment software we're using, you know, I'd find my way, you know, and leave very, very quickly. Because right. I, I I know what's going on in there. It it's horrible. And it's not yes, I completely get where you're coming from, right? If I don't look back at code that I wrote three years ago and think that it was crappy, then I haven't progressed and I haven't learned. Sure. That's that's fine, fair and well, right? But this software is so horrible that it's actually limiting the company, you know, that that's selling it at the moment because they can't extend it. They can't sure. do anything with that code now. Sure. It's a piece of it's a piece of crap. So yes, it's made them money, right? But at some point, they're going to have to do a massive rewrite. Sure, but it's still if you if you look at the investment that they made eight, nine, ten years ago, if they've gone eight, nine, ten years without having to uh, without feeling that pain. That's one of the best success stories of software that I've heard in a long time. You know, usually it's two, three, four years where you start feeling that pain, if not sooner. Okay, yeah, good point. Good point. Yeah, I, mean, I, I worked at a like kind of telephone, like telecom, little telecom outfit. And we were, you know, I was going to code and see, right? Because that's what you do in these telco outfits. And these guys were like, stuff that. Let's code this all in QBasic and DOS. <laughs> and... Um, their, their stuff just worked. It was absolutely horrible, but it worked. The customers, like, didn't, you know, they got what they needed out of it. I think in talking to your case, Stephen, like, they got what they needed, you know. So, I, I think, you know, in, when I was thinking about 
kind of what to discuss this evening. One of the questions that I kind of wanted to discuss was, so besides, besides everything else, what, what does having a university degree prove? Right, so for me it proves one, um, you're persistent. Uh, you, it's not easy to study for three or four years and then pass, um, regardless of, of what the degree is. Um, and does that gel with what we're trying, to, what we need in the industry? Um, and again, regardless of, of the specific branch of study, whether it's engineering or computer science or digital arts or bioinformatics or, or whatever the case is, just like to get your guys' view on on what does it what does it mean if somebody's gone to university? Like, is there is there value in that? Is that? Um... I was actually just thinking about that a, a minute ago. That actually doesn't prove to me personally anything. I want to see the projects the guy worked on. I want to see the the teams he have worked on. I want to know his experience. I will call his previous employers and ask him how was this guy in a team formation? How was he on the product? That makes that from a business perspective is what I want. That makes him for me employable. But persistence. Uh, why should I go and get a degree to show? that my personality is a persistent personality. I mean, that I, I am, a, as a person, have perseverance and I, I keep my promises and things like that. Why should I pay an institution like a university money to give me a certificate that I can tell people, hey, I'm persistent? Sorry, but I, I want to see people working hard. I want to see them gained experience in life. You know, and if they come from university, that is the hardest people to to employ. There's the highest risk people to employ at any company. And that's where something like an app factory, what we do is we bring real life projects and for example, just projects we did is we did the IEC app, we did uh helped on yo, let me think quickly, some ESCOM stuff, APSA. Uh, you know, so we put brands behind the projects and that makes them then the, the guys out there just immediately picked him up because these guys actually work on something real. And that's it. Uh, but, they're but, not interested uh, no, in their... Sorry? I, I think it's also a cultural thing, right? So so everybody's parents say, so, you know, you need to go and get a degree. Because when you've got a yeah. degree, you know what you're talking Ooh, about. Absolutely. And when you've got a degree, you're going to get a job, right? So that's yeah. where the sense of entitlement might come out you know I, yeah. I'm, I, I can't put blanket statements and say everybody with a degree has a sense of entitlement because that would be wrong but that <laughs> sounds so so horrible and you know I've worked with guys who had you know they were busy with their honors um, and admittedly I'm pretty sure this guy was doing honors in computer science at the time he joined a team that I was working on, very, very nice guy, got given some work to do, sat down, and like we all carried on with what I was, you know, with what we were doing. And like a week later, we're like, hey, dude, how's it going on that thing? You know, is it done? And he's like, oh, no, I'm still drawing up, I don't know, flow diagrams or some crap. And we're like, dude, what? <laughs> you know? And I'm sure in the long term, right, the stuff that he was doing, 
would have been the right thing to do. But at the time, we were like, okay, do, um, yeah, okay, this this isn't working out. And, you know, discussions were had and he, he never returned, you know, and somebody else took it over and did it really quickly. Um, but there's this idea that because I've gone to university, because I've got a degree, everybody told me my entire life that once you've got that piece of paper, you know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. And there are so many companies now that I've that I've heard of and that people that I've spoken to this they only hire graduates now because people without degrees don't know what they're talking about and I'm thinking either you've been really lucky in the graduates that you've interviewed <laughs> and you've hired or you know something that I don't yeah uh, you know it's, it's probably the latter buddy yeah and you know i i have this thing in the with the current state of affairs at universities if my kids want to go and study computer science no you can buy that same or buy much more info uh content and knowledge for a fraction of the money online and i myself will help them to become a developer i will find projects for them i will build up a portfolio for them i will build up a reputation for them uh, I have like this little list of developers who I've worked through in the last 15 years. Um, there are some guys I will be reluctant to work with, but I've like the top list. And honestly, I, I've helped some guys on on a project where there was like 25 uh, 25 man team before, and that team is now reduced to like three guys, and they still output the same amount of effort than those 25 man team. It's like, it's ridiculous, you know, but okay, there's a lot of human factors and things like that in there as well, but with the best people, with the passionate people, with the right mindset of people, you can do magic. When no, you no, bring sure. in the, when you bring those, those other guys, they just destroy concentration. They just distract. They just, I don't know, it's just, bad <laughs> so i just want to go back to josh's question about like is it valuable that you've got a degree um and, and i think there's there's two ways to look at joshua one i think people have come to distrust the comp sci degree in particular just purely because we're, we're expecting as people who can kind of do stuff and they can't uh, personally i think it's valuable and it does show determination and commitment um, but that would probably be more the electrical engineering kind of degree. That that would mean something to me. Um, the the second thing is Leslie and Stephen. You, it seems to me that you guys value speed over everything else. The faster the coder, the you know, like the more that they can produce in a day, the more valuable they are as a programmer. Is that right? No, 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 not really. So, but, no, no, but, you no, know, when you get saying, like no, you fired yeah, you're, you're, he, you're just stabbing around, though. <laughs> no, no. I left a job. I is, left a job because I wasn't quote unquote coding enough. You know, and and I was sitting in this office. They like kind of promoted me to head architect, and I was really trying to figure out some stuff. And this yeah. tension arose because I was drawing pictures, as Stephen said. Yeah. And and I was like, guys, this is a very complicated system you've got going here. I really need, you know, like weeks of time to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And and the tension became so kind of crazy that at one point I said, okay, like I, I think we, we kind of misunderstand each other. What you want is somebody who types fast and produces 
code because that's what programming is, right? Programming is typing. Um, and, and, and I get, I hear from you, Leslie and Stephen, that that's the most valuable thing. So lines of code is not a metric, right? No, but but when, is, you need to, when you need to do a login form and it's taking you two weeks and you're drawing flow diagrams, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Like the, if you're doing a basic login form, you know, we're not talking Windows or we're not talking encryption. We're, we're talking an internal intranet site. It's a login form, right? And you, you're doing flow diagrams after two weeks. No, no. It's been, I, it's been done no. 20 million times over again. So it's just don't reinvent the wheel every time. Uh, it's what I would like to see, you know, and um, just how, how can I say people should still be productive. But yes, I agree totally with you. Give them time. And again, coming back to that sample of the uh, much smaller team, just because those guys don't have all those distractions of inefficient people they are so much more e efficient already by themselves you can leave them alone they just carry on and they output this wonderful stuff and it's done first time correct and things it's just developers in a like a big mass in my opinion is just searching for trouble but yeah it's not it's not about lines of code i totally agree with steven it's not about that oh we're off uh, the topic is, a is, bit <laughs> so is we we've been going we've been going for nearly an hour now um, but it, it ties into like what you find valuable you know as josh was saying like do you find this thing valuable and obviously leslie and Stephen, you don't find it valuable so i'm trying to figure out what you do find valuable maybe if you could explain to joshua what they should be teaching at university like in in a six-month degree or whatever it is that your expectations is that would be quite interesting so from what so from what I'm hearing, I think what needs to happen, right, is there needs to be a bit of a split. So if you want to go into, you know, application dev, you know, just general dev stuff, then maybe there's you know less less theory and more practical, um, or maybe you know keep the same level of theory but up the amount of practical work. You know, have have these have these students attending uh, attending code retreats. It's, it's such a throwaway thing to say. Um, <laughs> have them. Sold I don't know. Them, yeah. Right. Yeah. So so this this is the big thing. Um, is that they need to do more practical stuff. You can know. You can have all the theoretical knowledge in the world, right? If you can't put it to practice. What's the point? I think you're completely so maybe... and utterly wrong. <laughs> okay. okay. So here's a, thought experiment. <laughs> here's a thought experiment for everyone, right? So let's say we're five years in the future. Just somehow we get teleported. Doctor Who arrives. We go in the TARDIS. Bang, we're five years in the future, right? The entire like IT landscape's going to be different. Languages have evolved. We're on... C-sharp, 11, who knows what, right? Are you with me so far in this thought experiment? Yeah, 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 yeah with you. So the question is, like, what do you know now that will still be valuable? Because, of course, Nothing. the syntax for... No, no, there, are, there has to be something. I mean, come on. <laughs> do, do I really want to worry about how a database management system is 
looking up my record I'm searching for. It's yeah, using a B3 maybe let's just try and to things answer, like that. Like, what, is, what do you guys consider valuable? What In five years' time, what knowledge would you have that would still be valuable? So I think the important stuff from my side, and, and this, this is something that's become more apparent over the last two, three years, is actually gaining information about the problem I'm trying to solve. So taking a step back from the code entirely, right? The number one thing is actually finding out from the people what they think they need and and chatting them chatting to them to find out what they actually need right once i once i have that and i start looking at the code side for me the things that i've learned over the last few years now is that i keep my code concise and yes syntax might change and that's fine i mean learning syntax is you know simple once once you've got that idea going that's that's all that matters right so work with small classes work with small methods make sure that they're tested from from the get go and well, let, let's no just matter... say that uh, object orientation has completely fallen out of fashion like there're no more object oriented languages so my my father-in-law has a farm <laughs> my father-in-law has a farm yeah. right and I'm going to go herd cattle. <laughs> yeah, but there, there still are so, things that are like that are fundamental, right? Yes, there's, there's, still still, there's still Fortran systems today. There's still COBOL systems today. Oh my word! Don't go yeah, there. There's a lot of it actually. <laughs> so, well, what do you think the banks run on? <laughs> you, you, you're getting to my. You're getting closer to where I see the problem in university. That stuff is not relevant anymore. Nothing was my answer previously to your answer, and. That's the problem I see with universities. You need to move quicker. Because I had some lecturers who came and looked at what we, how we do things at the app factory. You know, they heard about, you know, it's successful and stuff. So they came and looked. So I asked them, so what's your plan or your timeline to change and adapt your curriculum? No, five years. Okay, but, now, but, but you guys aren't answering wow. the question. What is valuable oh, sorry. to you? What is valuable to you, Leslie? For like me, if you had, valuable, if you had to say to Joshua okay. right now, guys, this is this is what you should teach. Like, what is? I'd like to you? extend your thought experiment even further. Not only is has object orientation fallen out of favor, we now don't use the von Neumann architecture. We use we have quantum computing. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so again, what is valuable? Yeah. So my my answer again is stick with what is relevant. What is that? What is relevant to you? Answer okay, the question. Cu currently. Okay, let me take you through my list of relevance currently. So, basic patterns, MVC, MVVM, MVP, uh, view skills, HTML, XAML, all those type of things now. Basic modeling. Uh, no, that's part of the MVC and MVVM patterns. But basic so you're, you're models unpacking the Microsoft stack right now. <laughs> no, there's, there's also I don't, I don't know a lot of those things. I don't use them on a daily basis. I've never used XAML, and I don't think I ever will. Okay, but uh, don't, you don't but, have but to. You can use HTML, a... JavaScript as yeah. well. But uh, okay, let me just stick to general web MVC. Okay. So view site, HTML, JavaScript, less, CSS, you know, all the TypeScript, all those kind of things. Modeling, keep your models nice and clean, descriptive, so that you can actually use that on an ORM that can build for you out your, your persistence layer without cluttering your models with business logic as they teach it at university currently. Um, some domain-driven design, DDD stuff in there, you know. 
So, so, so let me let me ask you this. Um, twenty years ago, when the internet was being built, sorry again. Tw twenty years ago, when the internet was being built and designed, yes. would any of those things, would those type of things, have been relevant? Yes. Will uh, so any of those things be relevant in five to ten years' time? So, MVC was actually founded in the seventies by Europe. By Xerox, uh, I think what's that language? Small talk, something like that, whatever. But um, yeah, so it's still relevant now. Yeah, sure. it's a good pattern because we do not want to reinvent the wheel every time. So, but yeah. up to today, we don't know what the future is. The future is a glass ball. So the, his answer, was, his question was, what's relevant to me now? So yeah. yes, MVC is still relevant. Okay, yeah. so. Um, some okay, so I stopped at persistence. Uh, ORMs students don't know anything about ORM. Yes, SQL skills is handy there, teach them that, but also teach them ORM, uh, proper data structures, algorithms, queues, OOP. I would say is um, is uh, important, and then just good practices with what, what about the functional around. stuff like F sharp and that sort of stuff. No, lang language is for me really irrelevant. If you no, understand, no, no. hang on, hang on. All those patterns Sorry? you just mentioned are OO patterns, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I mean, you're very like it's very focused, very like particular kind of things you're looking for. Okay, so why I look for that is just basically because of abstraction. So if you build uh, with nice abstraction, you have loosely coupled systems. So you're, you, you start to think even of your API as loosely coupled and things like that. And uh, currently, that's where the markets is, are moving. It's all these SaaS-based companies. The U.S. is just like startup, the left and right SaaS-based companies, just Google for all of them, payment gateways. No, no, all sure, those. They, they have mm. companies that are people to drop out and go to startups yeah <laughs> exactly there's a, like heavy vcs guy in uh, hunting after all of these SaaS based companies so mm. um i mean if you tightly couple of all of your code with just functional type of stuff you know it's the shooting yourself just in the head in my opinion but um you know you want to nicely decouple of your all of your code you know it's just raises the maintainability and testability again of your code so um, I, I do I, I do kind of i, th I think i see where Len and, and Josh are, are going at, right? So so everything okay. that we're discussing now, although, yes, MVC has been around for a long time, these are the skills that we need in developers today for yes. the type for the type of applications that we're writing right now. So let's say Vits go and change everything on their side and they decide to start, you know, using, to start teaching ORMs and start teaching MVVM and start teaching... You know, ASP yeah, like and, and whatever, studio right? Go. <laughs> so, so in in ten in ten years time, right? So essentially, that they need to update their syllabus every year based off of what is currently popular, and, and um, I, I use popular in the in the loosest sense of the phrase. So yeah. I don't mean popular as in yeah, everybody's jumping up and down. And, oh, I really have to try this tech right now. What I mean by popular is what the industry needs right yes. now. So yeah. Len, Len, correct me if I'm wrong, but what what the 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 value out of a degree, and this this might be why the engineering guys are more sought after than the computer science guys, is what's taught is critical thinking. Right, because once you've got that critical thinking going, it doesn't matter what the problem is that's thrown at you. 
you can solve it with whatever whatever technology is available at the time yeah you're going to have to learn new technology so yes i wake up from a coma in 10 years time and we're only using an advanced version of uh, i don't know um lisp considering you know my huge love for lisp mm -hmm. you know at that time the thing I'm that i enjoy doing the closet on that just by the way <laughs> <laughs> so but you know the, the 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 big thing there is what i enjoy doing is i enjoy solving problems via code Right. It's something that I can control. And, you know, that comes back to the psychology part. You know, I've got some, you know, I control you. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, the language will change. I mean, sure. I don't but work no, in but no, th six Think anymore. about this. Like in this language in the future, right? Do you think there will be something like a list? I would hope so. If data structures change entirely, I might, I might struggle a little bit. So, yeah. but, you know, but even if the data structures have changed, because I mean, let's, well, let's they're, hope they're that not, in 10, 15 years' time, in 10, 15 years' time, that there are new data structures. At that sure, point, it's but, just but a case of never go how away. it works. I mean, lists are language independent things, you know, they, they're kind of mathematical concepts. The important thing is to get that critical thinking behind something, analyze what needs to be done, and then find the correct tools for the job. Yeah. Uh, yes, and I agree with that. You know, if, if, if you look at what other universities, especially your U.S. universities are doing, for example, Code Igniter was given up by Ellis Lab to a university in, what's it, Columbia, British Columbia Institute of Technology, because they were teaching these things over there. And I, okay, it's maybe a shitty, uh, sorry for the swear word, but uh, a bad example, but... Um, those students actually walk out there and they can go and build a website. They can go and build a shop, an e-commerce shop. They can build, a, a, you know, an income for themselves. The South African mindset is, again, go and work at the company to get experience. And, and I, I'm sorry, it's, again, that company gets benefit out of you. Yes, you get benefit out of the learnings and things like that. But it's as if the students of other countries, and I'm comparing South Africa with other countries, uh, it's as if the students, when they exit there, they can go and produce stuff for themselves. I, 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 I actually use this example to my interns. If I would have had all the tools they had today, I would have had a couple of companies already. You get cloud, a lot of cloud for free. You get a lot of, uh, you get so many services out there for free. It's like emailing services and these things for up to certain volumes. Yes. If I would have all these tools, I would have been bloody filthy rich by now. <laughs> you but do, I, you uh, do have all these tools. Yes, but it's a bit late in my life. <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's another podcast entirely. <laughs> yes, I'm, ca I'm catching up on that. I hope I'm invited. I have some nice projects going on. <laughs> but um, right. just to finish quickly that list of stuff, you know, the, the guys need to think in terms of uh, virtualization, cloud, business skills, MBA type of stuff in there, entrepreneurship, accounting. How often have I gone to the accountants when we build softwares? Like, please explain to the team accounting. It's a simple thing. Um, no, but I, nobody I, knows. I have to disagree with you here. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Okay. 
Like, um, accounting's never stuck in my head. I don't know why I need to know it. Yeah, no, no, you don't need to know it, but it's just like, just the basics of accounting. No. Just, just the basics. I, re because... I, re I reject your theory. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it just gives you that edge to run your own business a little bit, you know. But um, uh, nonetheless, you know, software developers, that's what they do. They go there and they try to solve and understand all these other industries out there and create solutions for them. But if you want to run your own company as a one-man or two-man show, you know, just a little bit of accounting would really go very far. So, Len, I'm with you there. I'm useless at accounting. And every single time I need to do anything, write any form of financial code, it's kind of like pull in the, pull in the business person and say, right, this is my understanding. I know we went through this yesterday. This is what I've done. Hmm. Um, you know, is this, am I still on the right path? <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. You know, coming back to what you were saying earlier about critical thinking, I think just to add to it, it is, critical thinking within a specific domain. And that domain happens to be computing machinery. And so as long as you can think critically in that domain, which is a particular kind of thinking, then that's, that's great. And, and I think universities need to do more of that and, and have more around the machine itself and not just um, be supporting like the vendors. And what the vendors want, and what you know, particular like vendors are complaining about. Because I do think what we need is programmers who are going to live a long life in this industry, coding for a long time. You know, Ken Thompson was now working at Google. I think he's almost seventy, or he's in his seventies. You know, building GoLang, and you know, I personally I like the language, and you can see the kind of maturity and expertise that somebody like that brings. And how awesome is that? That for so many years, for 50 years of productive life as a programmer, that's awesome. I mean, that guy has seen everything. And I hope to be programming for that long as well. So yeah, I only, definitely. I only hope that I can have the kind of tools at my disposal to, you know, as I think as you said, Stephen, be in control of this world for, for long enough to be relevant. You know. So you see, passion can be taught through inspiration. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, whole, that's, that's still a whole different episode. Like I, I will, I will fight to the death. But yes, you can inspire people, and they might need to be inspired several times every few years. But the truly passionate, the true, the people who are truly passionate, are going to go and that they are going to go out and go and find their own inspiration to keep going. Those are the devs that you're going to struggle to find. But yeah, that's a, that's a whole different <laughs> conversation. Cool. Um, anything more? So, sorry, guys, it's getting like really late and I need to, I need to be up quite early tomorrow morning. Um, is there anything more that we haven't touched on um, that you want to touch on, um, Joshua? Um, I just want um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, go for it, man. Go for it. <laughs> no, so, seriously, if there's anything, uh, go for it. Kind of in, in the past, I my approach with interviewing and, and looking for CVs is I would never rule someone out um, if they haven't done a degree, and I wouldn't necessarily give somebody the, um, kind of an advantage if they had done, done a degree. 
Um, but having said that, I do do think that there is value. Um, um, and I think so, certainly from the engineering field, you know, the, 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 the broadness and the fundamentals and the thinking tools that you get are more valuable than any particular subject matter. So, um, you know, particular practices or languages or tools, libraries, those kinds of things. No, for sure. Um, anything, Leslie, from your side that you, you know, last words? Oh, my last words would be, you know, universities, they definitely required. They're good in some areas, but I currently think they suck at software currently, heavily. Okay, cool. And Len, from your side, anything else? Awesome podcast, guys. Thank you so much. Um, I think I've said everything I need to say. Yeah, it was a good fight. I enjoyed it a lot. Mm. <laughs> so, so you know, it's it's always fun debating stuff like this. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's 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 something that is so polarizing. You're either you're gonna there's very few people that can remain objective through something like this. It's like asking somebody whether Lisp is any good. You know, they're either gonna love it, hate it, or ask what Lisp is, um, and. Anyway. Yeah, but now you're on record, buddy. You can't go back. <laughs> okay, they, cool. They, they um, all compiled the machine language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, it's all it's all the same thing. When you're all ones and zeros, all the way down. <laughs> uh, no. All zeros and ones, hey Len. It's it's all zero one. Correct, That's right. Len. <laughs> That's how easy it is. Okay. Cool stuff. Um, right. Uh, do you guys want to run through picks? Um, does, uh, okay. So I, Josh, I don't know if you got my mail this morning. Um, it doesn't look like my mail for some reason went through to Leslie. Um, so we generally do like picks at the end of the show. Um, so if you've got any like technical picks or like a good series that you watched or something you you think other people will benefit from it then we generally raise it at this point um len have you got any picks this week um just uh just keeping it lean and mean uh the piazza app that we're using to record these podcasts i think is mm. such a great little piece of software so i just want to put that out there and we'll put the link in the show notes or wherever that is yeah, cool. We'll definitely do that. Um, so well, my picks for, for this week is a lot of the videos from Build 2015. Um, the stuff that Microsoft are doing now kind of surprised me. Um, so I expected some stuff coming out, you know, with it being more open sourcey and all happy. Um, but I didn't expect the level of things that Microsoft have been coming out with. So yeah, at to the very least, just check out the build 2015 keynotes. Um, it's a bit it disappointing was... that they don't have a lisp yet. Eh? <sighs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it will come. I'm sure it will come at some yeah. stage. <laughs> um, Josh, anything from your side? Um, I don't have any, quite think of anything now, but um, if I do, I will email you as soon as I can. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Leslie, anything specific? Yeah, anything um... from your side? Yes, I've uh, pasted a link in the chat window, which you can put into the notes, but that's basically part of the code.org website. Um, so, guys, just, just that you know, you know, five years from now, all of the people in the world are going to write code, so you're all going to be out of a job. That's how easy it is. 
I did, yeah. <laughs> with a little twink in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Josh, Leslie, thank you very much for, for popping on. I think it was quite an interesting debate. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, um, Josh, anywhere um, online that people can follow you? Yes, so, um, uh, so first of all, thank you very much. It was very cool. It's the first podcast I've participated in. Um, on Twitter, my hashtag is at Josh R. Lewis. I'm pretty active, uh, so you can get hold of me there. Cool. Uh, Leslie, your side? Um, I don't have a personal website, but yes, I am on Twitter. I don't know my handle because I'm there like once in six months. I log into that thing. Um, okay. But uh, otherwise, you can find me on the Microsoft App Factory South Africa website. We're around there. Okay, okay. awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Yes, cool. it was a pleasure. Sure. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. You too, man. Ooh.